passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to the Post Wrestling Post Office for our AEW Fight for the Fallen Post show. There's a lot of mail going through the post office tonight. This is uh, my head spinning. There's a lot. There's going to be a lot for the rest of this weekend as well, all the way into Monday. So let's get into it. I had Sunday all planned out, and I was my goal was do this show with you, uh, watch a little bit of the Evolve card or UFC, go to sleep, wake up at 7 to watch G1. I'm not waking up at 7. We are starting this at uh, just after midnight, and... Who knows how long this will go? I'm not even thinking of Sunday. I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. And so much has happened. I even notice you have scored a Toronto Raptors very limited edition championship T-shirt. Unbelievable. Um, you know what? It would th- been... does it come with an X to put over one particular person's face? It would have been far more timely had this actually arrived uh, when my girlfriend ordered it, probably like three, oh. four weeks ago. They were in very high demand. Finally got this, uh, but sir, unfortunately not in time for it to still be relevant. <laughs> it's a collector's <laughs> item now. Oh, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Are these that rare? Are these that sought after? I guess they must be if it took this long to arrive. I've seen I've seen a bunch of them, but they're still... It's the hats that are like going yeah. like crazy, especially when, the OVO ones. Yeah, when I, was, when I was younger and the Blue Jays won the World Series, like that became like this whole game that I wasn't familiar with of trying to get the championship merchandise, and I'll never forget... My mom going God knows where in the city and got me this World Series baseball hat that was oh my, my favorite hat of all time because Aww. I got it within a week of them winning the World Series. And it was uh, like all my friends had gotten this one particular kind and my mom found me this other one. And I thought it was so cool that I've got one that no one else has. And I wore that thing for years and years. It faded like it was it, the logo. What, like, color, what color was that? It was a white hat with like blue font of the Blue Jays. And the World Series logo was on the side of it. And I, I wore that hat, geez, forever. I don't you know were, where it is now. You were a little hype beast. Oh, I young. loved it. Uh, well, congratulations on the on procuring uh, the shirt. Sure. Thank you. Uh, so tonight, Wayne and I watched Fight for the Fallen. On the other, look at this. We are counter-programming ourselves uh, here at postwrestling.com because as we speak, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman are doing uh, their own review of Evolve 131 slash the 10th anniversary, which 
I prefer Evolve 131 because it's really not the 10th anniversary of Evolve. They have they have extended oh, yeah. it to include Dragon Gate USA. And to me, the 10th anniversary of Evolve is in January, not July. Well, I mean, I guess add that to the list of maybe strange reasons why they decided to air this particular show. Um, if you ask them, they will say, well, it's the 10th anniversary. Of course, it's a big deal. Yeah, there was no... Uh, I don't know if Dragon Gate USA got a big shout out on the... Bro- I've not seen any of the broadcast other than I saw Paul Heyman's speech... Uh, he showed up at the ECW arena, so that was that was cool, and then introduced the Austin Theory JD Drake match. But other than that, I, I've seen nothing from Evolve. Uh, UFC though, um, yep. apparently there was a, a very disputed finish in the main event. It only went 16 seconds. Jermaine Durandamy defeated Aspen Ladd, and the big story way I talked about it all week. Uriah Faber comes out of retirement at the age of 40 in Sacramento, and he stops Ricky Simone in 46 seconds. I think. That sounds wow. like the highlight of the whole night of wrestling and MMA. So I'm very excited to watch that after this, the 46 seconds. People are going to be talking about title shot again. They Pretty were right. talking about title shot. Oh I do God. not know if that's necessarily uh, the best option, but it's going to be discussed after this. Like this was as great a coming out of retirement as Uriah Faber could have hoped for. I was not expecting him to win this fight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I really had any expectations, but okay. But we are going to be focusing on Fight for the Fallen, and thanks to everyone that is tuning in live. If you are a Double Double, Ice Cap, or Espresso member, well, it's a busy weekend for you because uh, not only do we have the two G1 shows out, that's for all Cafe members, uh, but the live shows, we will be live again Sunday night after Extreme Rules. So, yep, a lot coming out this weekend. We will be getting to phone calls at the end of our review, so uh, you'll see your phone number uh, in the description on the YouTube video or in our uh, Patreon post. Uh, but do not call in until after the review is done. Yeah, we'll get to your calls afterwards, and as long as you're calling, we will continue to take them. So we go back to the buy-in portion. This was taking place from Daly's Place, uh, adjacent to the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium, and this was a venue that holds just over 5,000 people, and it looked to be uh, close to full. I think at last check earlier this week, they had about 425 tickets left remaining, so pretty close to full, if not full, by the time the show began. It looked full, and uh, first of all, what did you think of just the look? This was not your traditional wrestling venue. This is kind of like an outdoor uh, venue that is housed not just specifically for wrestling but for concerts amphitheater yeah looks yeah. really cool it looks really cool i mean it's a it's an outdoor venue um you know but because it's the shape in the shape of a theater it's not a traditional wrestling venue it's more like an indie show if anything because of the giant stage that they use to actually add to i guess their double entrances which worked out well but it's outdoors which i think immediately reminds most wrestling viewers of our generation of a wcw outdoor event i always like atmospheres that are different yes Uh, we've talked about this i think anything that takes you out of just the standard look of a show i'm all for i've never been that negative on outdoor shows i know many people don't like them i i think it's kind of nice every once in a while just to just to be in different scenarios and environments and that was something wcw did very well now does that also come with perhaps a temperature change listen i was very happy i was here and not there it sounded like it was a microwave inside daily's place uh we heard from people that were saying there was very little if if any airflow at all it didn't seem like there was any ac uh because they are outdoors so that's going to be a problem and they were they were repeating the figure of 85 degrees fahrenheit that it was inside of there sorry i'm I'm looking for i think it's my laptop that's just like super (laughs) 
hot. So there's well, it's a it's big hot away. Kick. It's so unfortunate if if you can hear the fan from my laptop. It's I just, doubt it's it's picking okay, that up. Sorry about that. It's okay. It's like a it's like a cool breeze. I'm doing uh, the, the the tech side of me is just like you know, um, be mindful of all the things that could go wrong. As I, I I'm sure we will talk about. <laughs> yeah, please put that stopwatch away. We will get. <laughs> he's putting into the other room. <laughs> We will get more into the topic of a uh, technical blunder, I suppose, uh, on this particular review. Yeah, let's uh, let's get through this review because we don't want to run out of time. Yes, you yes. don't want uh, anything to to inhibit that. So we start off seven thirty Eastern time. Now, you and I, we we rarely talk during these shows, but I I had a question for you, and then you had a question for me. Were you aware that the main show was starting at eight fifteen p.m.? Because that's a very weird start time. I knew the buy-in started at seven thirty, so I had assumed that the main show would have been either eight o'clock or eight thirty. When the buy-in stopped abruptly, like forty-five minutes in, and we proceeded to be our live at eight fifteen, I thought certainly that was a little bit odd. Yeah, that's the time they advertised. Okay, I don't know why. It is a very strange time to promote. I'm guessing they just wanted to shorten the like for this particular show. Everything's free anyway, at least in North America. So maybe that's, you know, they've decided to cut down the buy-in in order to cram more time into the main show. I'm not complaining about a, a shorter buy-in. That This doesn't didn't have to be an hour, but it was... Um, but yeah. this, show, this show was plenty long either way, though. It was a long show. Yes, we'll get into that. Uh, so on the, pre, on the pre-show, it was Excalibur and Alex Marvez. And first out to no theme music which i think works for this act was peter avalon and leva bates and the crowd is just booing them incessantly Mm -hmm. and they chant you suck and as avalon went to speak they were interrupted by sunny kisses music i i thought like avalon and leva bates like this is the role i think they should be in the opener on the pre-show instant heat it's not to me, a big pushed act. Uh, this was to me, to me the least um, problem I had with the librarian gimmick on this show. It, it it was really interesting to think to see how they would handle the librarians coming off of negative negative criticism coming off of both shows now at this point. So certainly for this one, you would figure they were well aware of the criticism. In fact, they were kind of poking fun at it on being the elite. How would they address it? And here they kind of, I thought it was somewhat clever. They kept it with them running as heels basically running with that heel heat and not necessarily overstaying their welcome with a long promo or something too overly gimmicked i felt have you seen that clip that it was on reddit of osw basically creating this character i have not seen it so they're doing i think it's SummerSlam 1991 with the jailhouse match between the mountie and big boss man and they start talking about the boss man isn't really even a police officer He's a corrections officer. And they're like, yeah, he's like a babysitter <laughs> or a teacher. Yeah, like a like a librarian. And they all laugh and they're like a librarian. And Jay starts going, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> it's like, this is like the librarian gimmick created. Like, I, I, I thought it was just hilarious. This thing is all over Reddit today. And it oh, was man. so funny that if you're upset about this gimmick... Blame OSW. Blame Jay Hunter specifically. It's, it's them. So it, it was very funny. Uh, so Sonny Kiss versus Peter Avalon. This was a match that kind of just showcased Sonny Kiss uh, doing a number of athletic spots. Um, Sonny Kiss was wearing a Jalen Ramsey jersey, who Ramsey jersey, who plays for the Jaguars, and Alex Marvez did some homework about the hours of operation of the local library and was giving us some stats on the library. Great. 
Phenomenal. Cool. He is the, the statistician of AEW, we've come to learn. I guess so, yeah. yeah. I would say Chris Harrington should maybe be on the broadcast. Oh, you think so? Yeah, okay. I think he'd be he'd be diving in deep. Uh, Leva Bates got onto the apron to distract Kiss with her book, and it allowed for Avalon to get a roll-up. The audience started chanting, reading sucks. Yep. Maybe they're podcast listeners. And then Kiss won with the uh, the splits off the second rope into uh, like like a slicer and won in five minutes and seven seconds. I believe um, uh, Excalibur called it the Kiss is it. The Kiss is it. Yes. This is the the move Christy Hemi used to use. Right. And uh, Naomi. I thought this was a good debut for Sonny Kiss, who received a great reaction from this audience, and he really got a chance to showcase his athleticism. Uh, and, and again, with the librarians, I felt like this was sort of a way to salvage the what they have kind of built with the librarians by, you know, going very low on the gimmicks, I felt. Uh, they kind of kept the heel distractions to a bit of a minimum. It was certainly not as, I think, anger-inducing as maybe the last match. Uh, I think it was a way that uh, for them to tell their audience that they know the criticism, they've heard the criticism, but also making sure that these two performers in Peter Avalon and Leva Bates don't just get shelved because you can hardly ha. blame. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that, but you can, cause you could hardly blame the two of them for being saddled with this gimmick and it would be unfortunate if they were, you know, the, the, the casualties of the negative reaction. Now, before everyone throws out, uh, Baron Corbin here, uh, I'm not making the same comparison because they're two completely different levels of pushes that the two are receiving. But like, there's no denying that this on this show, this character got heat and it's not in a position where this is something that is going to have really any impact on this company's business. It's not main eventing. They're not being over pushed. I thought this was the fine use of them being the first match out on the pre-show. Um, I really had no issue with this and I, I thought it was a fine opener and you're right sunny kiss really got over and the audience loved sunny kiss hated peter avalon yeah. so i really you know you're i didn't have really a strong opinion one way or the other about this match but it was like a fine opener there so. i think they're finally tv uh a fine tv act for you for with with which to debut like a baby face with they had jen decker as the backstage interviewer and this was a lot um this was kind of like at All In last year where they've used uh, Alicia, Tout. Alicia Tout and we heard from her early on and then disappeared throughout the broadcast because Jen Decker had a few interviews and then was gone. And I I don't doubt by the end of this that many things were getting cut on the fly. Could be that. Yeah. I mean, you know, or maybe they just had nothing scheduled. Could have been. Interview wise. Uh, her first interview was with Cody and Dustin and Cody spoke about the proceeds of this show going to the victims of gun violence the Young Bucks are always flying and flipping around with their West Coast offense. Okay, as, as, as opposed it's to East Coast, West Coast uh, kind of. I don't know if Cody and Dustin really qualify as East Coast, but, but I uh, guess the East Coasters more prefer to sit. Uh, perhaps, yeah. Okay. That, well, they work body parts. That's what he explained because ah, he said, gotcha. "What happens when we find a body part?" Dustin said, "There is no new school without an old school," and. I guess that's right. Like, how can something be new if it's not replacing something old? Mm -hmm. I guess so. That's, that's sure. I guess it's like, yeah. what, it is, works. what it's is Spotify sound. without CDs? I don't know. That would be, <laughs> that's what he should have said. One couldn't be the other. Uh, <laughs> he's going to power slam them so hard. Their souls will leave their bodies. Yeah. I love it. I, and, and then, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I, th I think they sound great. You know, both of them, uh, but especially Dustin Rhodes, who I think brings that seasoned, you know, promo style into this roster that, you know, really seems to be missing from this generation. I, I really like the, 
like their chemistry and it's almost it's not smooth at all on the last uh, the road to fight for the fallen where they're doing the uh-huh. sit down together and dustin's just like tell me about these young bucks and cody's like explaining them and saying you know we were uh we were out for dinner and kenny made this comment about how dave Meltzer rated our matches very highly in wwe and he said something that really bothered me he said really and it was just the way the two played off each other and prob- probably was like a legitimate comment that they took felt and worked into the promo. Yeah. And yes, it feels real. Totally and they, felt ad-libbed and, and, and really well done. Like yeah. it really felt like they were going in there and just playing off one another. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody spoke briefly about Sean Spears and said it will be equally satisfying beating his friends tonight and proving that they are better, but not really focusing too much on Sean Spears other than it was brought up Yeah, to remind I, people. I'm really curious, you know, with Jen Decker, how, how they're kind of like um, structuring these segments. Is it just having her come up with, are they telling her what to ask beforehand? Or are they just kind of treating this as if they're, they're live interviews? Uh, how, how would this differ from how a WWE would produce something like this? Yeah, probably a lot looser. That would be my assumption. Mm-hmm. Second and final match on the pre-show was Dr. Britt Baker and Rio versus B. Priestley and Shoko Nakajima, who is the princess of princess champion for Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, while B. Priestley came out with the World of Stardom title. And I think that's interesting because we've seen the precedent with John Moxley mm-hmm. of promotional titles they will not acknowledge and... Well, I'm not surprised uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro would be represented. Stardom is, has a working relationship with Ring of Honor, and they were not shy about showcasing her title here. So hmm. I think in AEW, the fact that they've shown that there there are some titles they will not recognize, it's worth noting the ones that they will. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's kind of telling. Um, no mention of John Moxley in the G1 or or really any of his ventures outside. He was mentioned very sparingly. Just that he wasn't here tonight, yep. and his the and the win at uh, Double or Nothing mm-hmm. that they brought up, so, or his run in at Double or Nothing, and then the win yep. at Fighter Fest. Early on, there was uh, this hiccup where Doctor Britt Baker went to the wrong corner for the tag, and the audience immediately just jumped on her for it, and the announcers had to acknowledge it as well. Really unfortunate. Yes. Uh, it seemed like the first half of this, like to me, especially Nakajima and Riho seemed to have their timing off. And yeah. it just seemed that the combination of being in a tag match with partners they're probably not as familiar with. And also, I was thinking about this. This ring looked gigantic. Like this was, whether it was 18 by 18 or 20 by 20, it's probably a way bigger ring than these women are typically used to. Mm. I thought by the end, Rio and Nakajima seemed to have a better flow. And this might have been better had it just been a singles match. That wouldn't have been as complicated. But there were definitely a lot of uh, issues in this match. I, I totally agree. I thought I thought some something was off, not just between Rio and Nakajima, but I think with Britt Baker in there as well. Yeah, uh, to me, B. Priestley was the one that kind of kept things moving, I thought. I thought she was right. the one I was most impressed with, actually. Yes. Um, Priestley hit Rio with this head kick that prompted Baker to come in and hit a sling blade. When Priestley and Baker were finally tagged in, the audience got into that. And then Priestley, uh, Rio ran to her in the in the corner and Priestley tried to send her over the top, but struggled getting her up. And Nakajima then landed a dive onto the floor. And the final 
kind of minute or two, it was Ryo and Nakajima with Ryo getting a series of near falls, including a Northern Light suplex, and then Nakajima with a double foot stomp that both kicked out from. Nakajima then missed a senton from the top. Ryo then ran out of the corner, but was caught with a Hurricane Rana that Nakajima hooked the legs, getting the pinfall. 15 minutes and 38 seconds. Um, so th- there was some good stuff by the end of it, but certainly this was not a flawless match by any stretch. No, not at all. I thought it turned into a pretty good match, but in the early going, much of it felt off. And um, I, 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 you know, I, I'd like to know if, if something was might have been off with with Britt Baker, but um, I, I, I feel like part of the issue though isn't just the in ring, but the fact that like they've been intru- introducing so many new faces without the proper setup to to introduce them to the audience with. Um, we've kind of seen what works with this crew and like, look at like the reaction to somebody like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy that we'll talk about later and, and the, and look at the reaction that Brandy got and, and, you know, somebody like, uh, um, uh, uh, Britt Baker here, but then like the, they, they keep introducing, you know, people like Riho and, and, and Shoko Nakajima who really, you just have to rely on the wrestling itself in order to really try to gain any type of emotion for. And fortunately in cases like this, where the match is not that good, it simply wasn't enough. So I feel like it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of manage this ever-growing roster of a lot of uh, American talent, North American talent, international talent, and Japanese talent, how they're going to fit them in storylines, how they're going to get personalities over, especially when people aren't don't speak English that much. I'd also imagine of, of all the shows they've run, and granted there's only been three, this would have the highest concentration to me of, of casual fans at this show as opposed to fighter fest or and especially double or nothing that you may have gotten people that are just that were not traveling to the show that were going to watch a wrestling show and wouldn't have been as familiar especially with a shoko nakajima that right. i don't think even uh, a lot of ardent fans would have been super familiar with before this i think the positive like you said coming out of this was that b Priestley, to me her presence was really strong she feels like a future top star in this division her ring ring i thought looked pretty good too then uh, Jim Ross was introduced at the end of the pre-show, and they quickly went over several of the matches coming up, and we go into the main show. There was also, I should mention, a pull-apart afterwards with uh, Priestley and Baker, and then Decker interviewed Kip Sabian. Uh, this was before Jim Ross was introduced, and he said he isn't happy just cashing checks. He does not consider himself an underdog against Hangman Page, even though everyone assumes he's winning. Sabian took the microphone away from Jen Decker. A clear no-no. You never give up the microphone. And told Paige that he's overlooking him and he's focusing on Chris Jericho at All Out and should not overlook him. And he's going to beat Paige and hopes that Paige wins the title because then he'll be first in line with a win over him tonight. And the one thing that is driving me nuts about Kip Sabian is Alex Marvez. And I do not ever have to hear Alex Marvez repeat his nickname again. I don't know if I have to hear Kip Sabian repeat his nickname again because super I, bad. I don't think it's really good. There's one like at the beginning of this interview, he awkwardly asked Jen Decker to repeat his name, like in that way, and she wouldn't do it. Yeah, which and told it, me like this 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 is definitely a looser not. feel. Yes, yeah, definitely, and presentation. But I don't I don't know. It's my second time hearing Kip Sabian speak on on, on an AEW program, and I think he's just trying a little bit too hard to stand stand out here. Um, to me, he almost has like more of a Sammy Guevara douchey vibe to him, if I have to be honest. I don't know about pushing him like this as a baby fist. Man, that you do not want to be in Ways Sammy Guevara category. Look at it's told he's run with it. He's he's I, I think Guevara heel. really works for oh, him yeah. well. 
Um, Jim Ross is brought out at the close. Uh, Marvez introduced him as the Dean of Professional Wrestling, Gordon Soley's nickname. And then they sent us into the main show. How did you feel about this buy-in? Way better than the Fighter Fest one. Um, it, it just in terms of, um, you know, it, it's not like the, the matches were uh, blow away great or anything like that. But I thought that this was kind of more just a tease for the show and also very quick paced. They had 45 minutes. When you were watching this, they almost could have used those extra 15 because this was kind of crammed into 45 minutes, it felt like. Right. I would say by by the, I think the fact that, you know, there was very little to, I would say, complain about that was offensive on this buy-in. It was already better than the other ones. Um, I, I also, though, wouldn't necessarily say that there was that much, that much worth watching from this buy-in either. I feel like, though, I don't know if it's because these are simply free shows that they don't feel the need to do this, but I think these, these, these uh, pre-shows are kind of missing that element of, like showing hype videos for the main event, you know, yep. just telling you what what's really to come beyond. I think just having your your backstage interview. Yeah, this felt like it was like to me eighty percent wrestling, and you want to be selling people on the big matches and the stories, yeah. and looking at as people that are sampling this that may be potential buyers of your show. I kind of look at the buy-in as, or, or at least what, what it should be, is is a place where you kind of gather all the promotional materials that have been spreaded across all your YouTube channels for the past month. This is what happened on BTE. This is what happened on the Nightmare Family channel. And then you just, you know, like get caught up. Get all 85 channels and pull out the best of, and there you go. Uh, so into the main show we go. Um, so Jim Ross is brought in. Uh, do you want to talk about the commentary throughout the show, or do you want to talk about some of it now? We can give our thoughts right now, sure. Yeah, I think coming out of this show, uh, I think they really need to just make a decision and have two of them. And yeah. I'll take any of the two. But mm-hmm. to me, Jim Ross kind of... He, on this show, he was certainly the lead. But then you have Excalibur as like the number two, but doing the play-by-play. Alex Marvez, I understand that they want him to be kind of this analyst... But I, I listen to this, and I don't really understand why the need for three. Like, this to me is a two-man booth with three people doing it. And to me, Ross and Excalibur, I don't really understand the different differentiation between the two. Right. Excalibur, to me, should be the guy leading. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think in terms of play-by-play, he certainly is the lead. On the broadcast, in terms of knowledge, I would consider him very much the lead. He's just not necessarily the guy steering the ship. That's Jim Ross. Well, and- that's... The, the lead role, then, is the guy who's the quarterback. Oh, and that's, that's where it's very confusing, what this setup is. Well, clearly, like, Jim Ross is there because he great, brings a great deal of, of star power to the team. And and therefore, I think he his presence is necessary in that way. Now, is there a way to keep him on the panel for that that all those benefits without necessarily having to rely on him for much of the commentary? Yes, because... he should be in the Marvez role. That he is yeah, the one. He's sure. the one that's outlining the story. And the story is okay. I I also I don't know about that either though because I don't know how much of the story he really is has been able to lay out other than for the main event, which I thought he was actually quite good in with with Dustin and Cody. But a lot of these other uh, matches, I have to say, like me watching Jim Ross right now, it almost just feels feels like he's learning about these people from the fir- for the first time as he's watching them. Uh, on screen and i i know for a fact he's probably called you know called some of their matches previously but i just don't necessarily get the sense that i'm sure he's doing the research but maybe he's not retaining the information i don't know but it just comes across like he's still wildly unfamiliar with a lot of this talent well it just seems to me it's it's too crowded a booth for me Uh, i think it's too many voices and i don't really like 
I, I think the gold standard of three-man booths is Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, and Chris Charlton. Right now, and they yeah. each, you know, it, each one's exact role. And it's very clear. And mm-hmm. each one has their role. On this, it just seems like it's all, all three, over the place. All three, uh, Charlton, Rocky, and Kelly, I think they're all excellent, too. I think you have one excellent commentator on this team. In Excalibur. Yeah. Uh, so the first match was MJF, Sean Spears, and Sammy Guevara versus Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela. I think it's worth noting uh, Sean Spears comes out to a theme song from uh, Josiah Williams. Oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, who does uh, uh, a theme song for his Twitch channel with uh, Tyler Breeze anyway. He also has a shirt that reads The Chairman. The Chairman, yes. No longer La Parca. He has taken... And, he, and it also read at the bottom uh, Perfection, which maybe he's also stealing from Sean Stasiak as Perfection. Though it wasn't spelled uh, I didn't like that. realize he's also a Sean. Yeah. So he comes out with his new shirt and had Justin Roberts introduce him as the chairman. Janela received a very big reaction coming out, as did Darby Allen. Um, yeah, it's amazing how much those two gained from one show. Because like this reaction coming off of Fighter Fest, they were, they already felt like major stars. And maybe for Janela for some other reasons as well. Okay, biggest <laughs> biggest blunder on this show was the amazing coincidence that you could have done this where at the last show yeah joey janella should have kept the blink 182 drumsticks that kenny uh, that john moxley <laughs> sure. uh was had yeah. at the end he should have saved those and come out with them yeah and he should have had his own uh, what's my age again or or some some ripoff <laughs> that would have been great um that was alluded to although the per the the other individual was not uh, well, we can just bring it up now. So they had Janela and Enzo had this confrontation might be too, too strong of a description of what yeah. they had at this Blink-182 concert. So Excalibur mentioned Janela having an altercation with the biggest scum of the earth. <laughs> and that's how he was identified. Yeah. <laughs> um, although, although I have to say in that situation, I don't know if Enzo was the scummy per- person in that that whole conflict. Yeah, well, you can watch the video and see, and it's kind of the most bizarre thing. And yes, a t-shirt came out of it. Of course, t-shirts always got to make some money. Uh, Janela threw Guevara into the corner with this. uh, Before we even get on, I want to mention, like, I was throughout this whole entrance, I was looking for them for to give a reason why MJF was teaming with Sean Spears. They never gave it. Was not wasn't followed followed up on uh, Nightmare uh, Family or BTE or anything like that. I think the 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 simplest answer I guess they had in commentary was that this was put together by the office. I was kind of disappointed that they did not play up more. And there was another match on this show that I felt was totally disconnected from the the Road to videos. You really didn't have an explanation, and I also found it kind of jarring to remember who was on whose team, because this just felt like six random guys, and there was no affiliation between either team. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, this is just kind of these opening, you know, tag team matches, Um, but but I think what, you know, it, it means that they have yet to really establish heel and babyface dynamics for a lot of these characters. They did try to isolate Sean Spears, like this man on his own island, and this this match was designed to kind of focus on Sean Spears. Yes. Um, so Spears and Allen were tagged in. Everyone's chanting for Allen. So Spears, instead of engaging with Allen, just tags out and bails to the floor. Uh, MJF missed Jimmy Havoc and speared Spears in the corner. 
And that was the closest they got to any kind of uh, issue between MJF and Sean Spears. Mm -hmm. Allen then came in, hit Guevara with a jumping diamond dust, uh, but the cover got broken up. Uh, Guevara then missed a shooting star off the apron onto Janela and landed on his feet and hit a super kick. Janela then stopped Guevara on the top turnbuckle, landing a Death Valley driver onto the edge of the apron. And then the end saw Spears hit Allen with the previously named tiebreaker, followed by another Death Valley driver uh, with Darby Allen having his ribs all taped up from the time limit with Cody. And Sean Spears pins Darby Allen. So doing what Cody could not do at Fighter Fest, pinning Darby Allen at 13 minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, what'd you think of the match? Um, I thought it was a pretty good match where I th- I feel like Darby Allen and Joey Janela really stood out. I thought actually Jimmy Havoc had had, had some pretty good uh, uh, segments here as well. They pushed it. Um, he had the match won and yeah. his teammates kind of got because the other two are kind, of, are kind of made already. Yeah. But, you know, Jimmy Havoc is, kind of still is waiting for that singles match. Uh, you know, but say what you will about that chair shot. I think Sean Spears in the follow up here came across like a major heel. Uh, I thought I, he did very well. I like him as a heel. I think he kind of postures and carries himself in almost that like kind of like very slow Randy Orton type of way, which I think is a is a perfect way to rebrand him. I feel like he's very far from what that perfect 10 guy was. And I think that's a very good thing. I really hated him being in like a comedy segment on being the elite this week. Like they were doing like um, it was either this week or the last week where they were just like doing this, the, the thing with the referee backstage and or or ringside and i just i don't want him to do any comedy from this point on he should be a super heel on the level of uh, somebody like a randy orton and i think there's that potential baby faces look good i hated the lack of explanation for mjf and spears i feel like they you know for what what came out of a really bloody serious scene i think just having like a like a little glance and like a middle finger to me wasn't enough kind of took away the edge from what, what I thought was a really serious program. I was expecting a lot more angles to set up stuff for All Out on this show. This is their last show before the end of the summer. Well, you, yeah, yeah. Cause... We, we got the ladder match set up, but beyond that, I think they're going to leave it all to being the elite and right. their road to shows to set it up. But I thought I, I thought coming out of this, this show, they were going to set up Spears and Cody right. uh, with some big angle on this show and Cody getting well, some measure of revenge or trying to. Um, they've got more than a month. Uh, to, yeah, but to, to me, this is kind of congregating everybody. Like, this right. is your your big kind of show to do that stuff on. I wonder Not how much the, time they might have had at the end of the show. God knows what they had planned. So you're right. We can always have that uh, potential. Uh, they showed Shad Khan in the audience. Uh, uh, Calais Campbell. I'm probably butchering that name. Uh, Private Party were showing. And then... <laughs> Alex Jabaley. Oh, I thought you were going to mention the lawyers. Oh, God. The Farrah and Farrah, Farrah, and Farrah were showing in the crowd. Yeah. Yes. Having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I guess. Farrah and Farrah. Farrah and Farrah. Um, Alex, Alex Oh, Jabaley. yeah. Alex Jabaley is showing seating there, uh, seated, seated, and Atlas Security comes over and they kick him out. And uh, this is the first time I think I enjoyed anything involving Alex Jabaley. Yeah, I guess clearly playing off of the negative reaction to the Fighter Fest as well. Um, I guess he had a seat because uh, he he was one of the people who donated. At he did. He donated quite a lot of money yeah. for the uh, the fund at the end. Then we aired the video package for the Ali Brandy Rhodes match, which honestly, uh, like, yes, the the big focus was the Bucks against Cody and Dustin, but this might have been to me the most impressive buildup because yeah. on paper this match meant nothing when it was announced and through their promos. I thought they made this one of the more intriguing matches on the whole show. Yeah. Um, 
Brandy's interview was phenomenal. And then I, I really enjoyed Allie's this week. Mm-hmm. Like, not heelish, but it was subtly. Like, the mm-hmm. idea that, you know, when I've had the same anxieties you have, but the difference is I've always stepped up. So seeing the video, how did you think that the match was going to play out? Not like this. The, to me, it had it was totally divorced from the videos. Mm-hmm. Brandy was a terror. Like no. okay, let, let's get into okay, the match. Let, let's get into the match. So Brandy and Allie shake hands, but then Awesome Kong's music plays, and she comes out and so, is in Brandy's corner as her muscle. And so the idea that that was supposed to be conveyed was that this was all a ruse from Brandy. She hasn't turned babyface. In fact, she just she probably didn't make that stuff up, but she did it to. Make she played Allie. on everyone's emotions, yes. and she had her backup plan. She was never going to be... Um, yeah. She, she was just completely using everybody. So this was supposed to be the swerve, but I'm not sure how well that was effectively communicated. It was not. To, not just to the audience at home, but to the live audience, you know? Like, I feel like a lot of people didn't necessarily know that Kong was there to back Brandy. They just thought, oh, Kong's here watching. Um, This is where I think having her talk on a microphone before and saying something like... Uh, like actually talking about uh, 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 you know, to to conduct the swerve and introduce Awesome Kong. I think that would have really helped clarify things. But I think the way this carried out was they're shaking hands. Awesome Kong comes out, and all of a sudden, Brandy's wrestling like a heel. Yeah, and that was the match here. And I think you you didn't explain that well enough that if you were gonna do that story, yeah. um, so. Allie got into Kong's face on the floor and got caught with a drop kick through the ropes from Brandy. Uh, the two traded forearms. Uh, Brandy got cover, uh, got frustrated as she was going for the cover, and Allie would kick out. Allie hit the uh, best super kick ever and a Death Valley driver. There were a lot of Death Valley drivers on this show. Mm-hmm. Allie went for the cover. Kong then put Brandy, uh, her leg, under the rope to break up the cover. Allie then went for a dragon sleeper, and Paul Turner got distracted by Kong on the floor as Brandy started tapping out. And then with Turner's back turned... Brandy gouged Allie's eyes, hit the bionic shoulder tackle, and yeah. pinned Allie in 10 minutes and 17 seconds. I thought this went long. I thought this was very disjointed from the story that was built up, and they did not do a very good job of conveying what the the swerve was supposed to be. Yeah. And I didn't think it helped. I didn't no. I think to me it was it it was somewhat reminiscent of when Buff Bagwell broke his neck. And he came back and he cut the most unbelievable babyface interview in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then it was all a ruse for a heel turn. And to me, it was when you're going to do that super emotional babyface interview and it's all just a swerve, you kind of, uh, to me, I think sometimes. Well, the swerve better be pretty damn good. It better be really great and, and not just uh, kind of you groan at it. And I groaned at this. Yeah. And I, I I thought this was a letdown. And this was a, something, I was very into the story going into this and not didn't feel it really lived up to it i think it's really easy for i mean i I don't want to say really easy but i think it's easier to be a heel and to get over as a heel but for somebody to get over as a baby face was really difficult and she managed to do that so i felt like it was almost a gift that they had um and instead they i i'm guessing this was always the plan to pair brandy with awesome kong and they decided to just pivot back to what they had despite you know the very good segment from brandy to me the the better story would have been no kong and brandy coming into this and she's going to do this on her own and push herself and then she gets the opening the referee may be something and she she takes the opportunity and she cheats or something and it's as though she takes the shortcut at the end you still get the story you want out of it um 
But to me, I, th- I think you could have well, based the whole match around this and built to it at the end instead of doing the swerve right at the beginning. Perhaps, yeah. It was like Brett and Vince. I certainly feel like there was a better way of presenting the swerve because I think the way it was handled here with especially like a lack of close-up on camera so that you don't even necessarily see like Brandy's like, you know, maniacal smile when she's introducing Kong. A lot of that was unfortunately lost. So, you know, I, I, the match too, I think... It went long for what they yeah. needed to. It was over ten minutes. I'll say I, I definitely feel like Brandy has shown improvement in ring in that time. And I they think they mentioned she hasn't had a match since I think it was last November mm-hmm. that she wow. had her last match. It's been a long time. And I think Ali is is excellent at showing aggression. I think she's very talented. But I I thought the match ultimately because of the story that they attached to it just kind of turned into a bit of a generic heel bodyguard type of match. The finish was a little bit uh, uh, screwed up because of the delayed reaction from from Allie before Brandy charged up for that uh uh bionic spear so unfortunately this I felt like ultimately didn't come across that well up next was the three-way tag dark order evil uno and Stu Grayson versus Angelico and Jack Evans did we mention uh Aja Kong oh we skipped over that yeah so after the match uh Kong was about to attack Allie when Aja Kong came out and the audience got way more into this face-off between both Kongs than they did the match. Well, I mean, I guess that, that's the reason why they needed to have Awesome Kong out there, right? To set up this match for All uh, all Out, presumably. I guess they're setting it up for that. Aja helped Ali to the back, which did beg the question, where were you five minutes ago when I could have really used you? Catering, maybe? Uh, perhaps. The bat? I don't know. Uh, I, th- I think this is a... It's a cool match to do I at, think it's at, great. at All Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a match that really doesn't rely too much on story. It's just like they they have two like they they have um a, a, a great reputation both of them as legends. So yeah, and they both have Kong in their name, of course. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah. what, what, that's what they're fighting for. Yeah, the rights to the name Kong. Uh, Dark Order, Angelico and Jack Evans, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, former WWE and TNA referee Mike Posey was the referee here. So oh, it's like another official that they've added. And the winners of this will face the best friends at All Out, and the winners of that match get the bye. Yeah, so this was the second, the other half of that. Yes. Unless there are more teams to come. I They, they said that these winners, well, there's no other shows, so I don't think they can do any more right. uh, qualifiers. So I think it's just going to be a tag match at All Out. So I guess the concept is... You you have to win this match so that you can go to All In to win that first round match, so that you don't have to win the first round match at a later time. So so well, the next match you get the win and you're in the second round. Right. Yeah. Now so how is that, how, it's, is that it, a, how is that a benefit at all? It's it's unless, pretty much like an unofficial first round match. that's not part of the brackets. Exactly. Unless it's 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 that the tournament is taking place in one night or something, and to give you a buy it means you don't. Have it doesn't to sound play. like it is. It sounds like it's going to be built up over television. I don't think they're going to do it all in one night or something like that. Okay. So, hmm. um, Dark Order came out with the Creepers. That's what they're called now, the Creepers, yes. No? Not a fan. I don't like them. I'm not a fan either. I, I feel like... It's really campy for me. It's just generic. Like, it's generic, like, you know, Halloween uh, Undertaker type of 80s type of stuff, which I don't even think would have worked in the 80s. I much prefer these two as just like this is where this is the, where they finally to me stood out was just doing a match. Yeah, and I think they're, they're especially with their style. I much I much prefer them as baby faces, like doing the video game thing. I feel like that's way better than what this is. Uh, they've also added Marco Stunt to the group with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So you found someone that actually looks younger than Jungle Boy. Yes. So um, 
Evil Uno started off biting Angelico's ear, uh, and then they got the heat on Jungle Boy for a long time. I thought Stu Grayson looked great. Uh, but both yes. both members of Dark Order, I thought, stood out. But to me, Stu Grayson, I was very impressed just watching him in here. And I mean, this guy's been great. But this team has been great for years. But I thought Grayson really got to stand out in this match. Um, Jungle Boy was really great in the role as babyface in peril for the long period of time. When he tagged Luchasaurus, that guy has gone incredibly over. Oh my god! This both? audience loved this guy. Yeah, I would say both of them, but especially Luchasaurus here. Who, he's got like breakout potential. Completely, both of them do. Really, I, it certainly helps that he's he's so tall. Anyway, but I think standing next to like you know a sea of people that are far short shorter than him, um, he really stands out. But not only that, I attribute much of this reaction to being the elite. Where you it's know, all being the elite. In in a few simple segments, uh, I think they've been able to exhibit character, and they've gotten really over to the point where this whole audience recognized and started cheering for him. Uh, Luchasaurus choke slammed Jack Evans onto Angelico on the floor. Jungle Boy followed that with a shooting star press off the apron. Then Marco Stunt got involved with a super Hurricane Rana off the top to Angelico. And then Stunt got thrown off the shoulders of Luchasaurus to the floor. And Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, they double teamed Jack Evans. Evil Uno made the save on the cover. And Grayson landed a 450 splash onto Jungle Boy, who kicked out. And the crowd went nuts for that kick out. Um, Stunt was also ejected in all of this for his involvement. Dark Order then hit their finish, the fatality, onto Jungle Boy, where Evil Uno lifted him up for a gory special, and then Grayson leaped off the top into a diamond dust and pinned him at 15 minutes and 8 seconds. Uh, I thought this was the best match on the show up till this point uh, yeah. by a pretty wide margin. And uh, to me, Dark Order, the, to me, they've had some non-memorable appearances so far, and this was, this was a win for them. It was their first match. Yeah, but- I thought this... They really look good in this. And I, I think everyone kind of, I, I won't say everyone, but I think Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Dark Order in particular, those were the two teams that stood out. Evans and, and Heligo got some shine as well, but more so the other two teams really stood out for me. Yeah, I certainly feel like Luchasaurus, like, coming out of this, in particular with, like, a lot of the, the, the double team spots he and Jungle Boy executed, um, were the, 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 the things that I, I'm assuming will be most gifed. On, on this uh coming out of this show um i feel like dark order there's just something up with that that gimmick that i think is still holding them back yeah i, I really don't like the creepers i think that it just it looks really campy yeah um, um yeah it was a good like i would say a kind of spotty type of match you know that that really works well for earlier on in the show i feel though like maybe one one too many kickouts of of those finishers to that i felt kind of diminish the power of some of those finishers after that, it was Hangman Page versus Kip Sabian. Super bad. No, please. Please don't do that. Page is still selling the effects of his knee injury, which they brought up, but they did not uh, They did not name Pac. So. I don't even remember who did that to him. It was Pac on the, yeah. on the, on the show before Double or Nothing. Yeah, it was a long time In ago. England. Well, it was you know two months ago. Uh, Sabian hit the suicide dive, and then... He's leaning over the guardrail, and this fan is yelling in his face. This is that that guy who always goes to all those NXT shows, the the bald fan with glasses. Okay. Uh, I didn't recognize this guy. And Sabian just turned and kissed him. Yeah. That that silenced him. Yep. Page hit this belly-to-belly, rolling fireman's carry, standing shooting star. Um, They were just going back and forth for a while, and it was a real struggle for the audience. Like, they were just not getting into this. The announcers were bringing up the heat. 
uh, the literal heat because there wasn't a whole lot of it noise-wise. Sabian spit towards Paige and was caught with his inside-out lariat. Sabian got his left elbow cut up at one point, uh, so he was bleeding from that. Paige hit a moonsault off the top to the floor. That seemed to get the biggest reaction of the match. They go back in. Paige uh, took Sabian and powerbombed him onto the elevated ramp and followed with a swinging neckbreaker off the top for a near fall. So a lot of big stuff here at the end from Paige. Sabian then hit a springboard Hurricane Rana, went for several pin attempts, but it ended with Paige rolling out and hitting the dead eye to pin Sabian in 19 minutes and five seconds. I thought this one went way too long. Yeah. Um, I think that it, you know, for this way, midway through the match, you had so many other big matches to come. Um, it, it just didn't really get over with the crowd. I, I thought it was fine, but nothing special. It was not a match uh, that, that warranted that length because uh, you you didn't really do that much to build up Kip Sabian to this audience. The action I thought was really good, but at no time did I feel like um, the crowd was that invested in what was going on because there was simply nothing at stake in the match. Um, I think a lot of people assume that Paige was going to win anyway. And Sabian just has had very little presence on on their online channels. So I thought this was like worthy of a TV show main event, but it was at the length of a pay-per-view match. It seemed like it, this was the only match on the show they flirted with the time limit draw coming down to the final minute. When I know. Paige and it's, and it's done. Obviously, it's done to protect, you know, Kip, Kip Sabian and the, and the loss. But I think you have to kind of use that. Really sparingly, like depending on who the person is, it worked for Darby Allen because that was a promoted match. This was not. Yeah, I think this could have just gotten over as like more of a sprint for 11 minutes and Paige wins. I yes. think it would have benefited from that. Um, afterwards, one of the creepers is creeping and he hits Paige with a code breaker and reveals himself to be Chris Jericho under the mask. And Jericho would come back later on in the night, but he busted open Paige and. We would see both of them later. Yeah, with the Judas effect, is that what he used, or did he bust him open with something else? Uh, he he hit him with the Judas effect later, right? Oh, okay. In the brawl. Uh, yeah. This was just the code breaker and laid him out. SCU came out. They were in the colors of the Jacksonville Jaguars, did their usual promo. Uh, Christopher Daniels was uh, sweating worse than Shane McMahon. I couldn't have imagined this guy doing the actual match. He probably would have lost 20 pounds. So Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky took on Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Phoenix and Pentagon, they double-teamed uh, SCU with super kicks to all three of them. Daniels got ejected when he got involved after hitting a split-legged moonsault to both men on the floor. So Aubrey Edwards tossed her out. Phoenix and Pentagon then did this double-team with a monkey-flip senton into Kazarian, who was seated in the corner while Sky was in the Tree of Woe. And Kazarian, at one point, he, like, lands on the floor and Phoenix was getting ready for a dive, and he had to just pull up on it. And instead of going for the dive, realized Kazarian was not ready for him, and just looked and he very looked, frustrated. He looked pissed. It's like, oh, it yeah. was like definitely didn't have a poker face, even with the mask oh, on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, off on different pages for that. Um. Pentagon was hit with a backstabber. Uh. Phoenix hit a rolling double cutter onto both Sky and Kazarian, and then Sky came back with his own cutter onto Pentagon. This just seemed like a lot of like a tennis match of just back and forth of we'll do our sequence of moves. You do your sequence of moves. And it was some of it was spectacular. Mm -hmm. But uh, Sky then pressed Kazarian off the apron into a top rope DDT onto Phoenix. And this is when Jim Ross started to note how many DDTs were being executed and not resulting in anything. It's like, how many of these can you take? And 
Phoenix hit a stomp onto Kazarian on the edge. Pentagon hit a destroyer onto Scorpio Sky. He kicked out of that. And then Phoenix and Pentagon hit the package pile driver, double foot stomp combination. And Pentagon pinned Scorpio Sky. 15 minutes and four seconds. Pretty good match. I'm not going to say a great match, though. No, no, I don't think so. Um, I thought it was good. Maybe, actually, my favorite match of the night up until this point. Um, the Lucha Brothers, I think, are just absolutely incredible in a singles or a tag team setting. I thought SCU looked really good as well. And I would say they seem to be kind of settling into these roles as like solid veterans either to have to open the show or to put over your upcoming teams. I feel like there was a, a lot of like blatant interference here with Daniels in the middle that um, I think the audience or the referee just, you know, I guess they're running with New Japan rules in AEW. Is this, is this considered the playoffs in AEW where they get more latitude? Maybe. Or the preseason. Perhaps. That's New Japan's excuse. Yeah. No, the preseason. It didn't affect my, my enjoyment of the match though. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was a fun match. Some people solid. would add this is the best one up until this point. I think it's close yeah. with the, the tag that preceded it. But it was it, solid, but I think you can tell from our reaction that it was not necessarily a match that you need to go out of, out of your way to see. No, I think if, uh, for a Pentagon Phoenix match, I, I don't think it was must-see. Afterwards, Daniels returned, and we got to see the Golden Ladder. The Golden Ladder. The Golden Ladder. Yes. The All Elite Ladder. And they fought off Daniels. Phoenix and Pentagon climbed the ladder, called themselves the best tag team on the planet. Uh, Phoenix later called themselves the best tag team in the planet. Inside. Inside in the, the planet. In the core, okay. Um, which is kind of accurate. We're inside the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it sounds correct. And they challenged the Young Bucks to a ladder match at All Out in Chicago. They didn't mention the AAA tag titles, but Excalibur did. And that's what everyone assumes the titles will be right. uh, hung up. Uh, so they'll battle for the tag titles. Cool. I absolutely love that they like Pentagon cut promos in Spanish rather than have them, you know, struggle with like overly rehearsed lines in English. It, this was simple. You got great sense of personality from both of them here. I, I really liked all this. Yeah, great setup. And I think everyone was really stoked for this match. Yep. It's going to have a high, high bar to exceed. This will have, have to end the feud, though. Like They've wrestled each other a whole lot this year. Oh, I think this is the end of the feud. Yeah, yeah I think it has to be. Um, I, think you, I think you have to put on Paige and Jericho last at All Out for the yes. title. But if it was any other show, I would say this would close it. Yeah, it's and looking to be a really strong card. It's going to be really strong with Omega, Moxley as well. So, I mean, the card's coming together. Kenny Omega versus Shima. The beginning of this, uh, it sounded like a really great story where they're explaining that Kenny Omega is looking for his that elusive victory in all elite wrestling. He is winless in his own company. And that's that sounds interesting, except that he just won two weeks ago. And... Then Jim Ross did clarify he has yet to win a singles match. So yes, everyone, he's going into this 0-1. Yeah. That's that's our story for the match. Uh it was a story for the the Darby Allen match with against Cody too. Um yeah, on show number three, it's probably there's there's a lot of people going well, through yeah, the first Yeah, it's a little too early to do win win and lose. It was like like a strange setup at the beginning of this. Alex Marvez noted that the Greek words on Shima's armbands are the names of his wife and daughter. Yeah, interesting. interesting stat. Uh, Shima hit the perfect driver, and Omega kicked out, and he was having problems with his nose that they were attributing to the the injury he sustained at uh, Double or Nothing. So I don't know if he was selling this or really having problems with his nose, but he was, like, grabbing it. Hmm. Um, 
Omega hit the V-Trigger, one of many in this match, and then tried for the Dragon Suplex off the top. Yeah. Must have uh, maybe had some nostalgia to the first Okada match this past week. Uh, Shima turned that into a Sunset Bomb, and then Shima missed with the Meteora, and dude, Shima... He packed a number of meteoras uh, on the plane ride over because he had many to deliver in this match. It was a meteora shower. Oh, I like it. Uh, They go to the floor. You know, there was a lot of stuff in this match that might have made everyone nervous. To me, the scariest thing was when Omega lost his footing and slipped on the mat. And I thought this guy might have torn his ACL, but he was fine. Uh, Omega was placed on the table and then Shima came off the stage with a meteora, and the table did not break. It was like the ringkeeper's table. Yeah, it was or a small time, one, not a traditional the to- table. The timekeeper's table, who was Dasha Fuentes, by the way. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice it was Dasha. Yeah, apparently she was at the last one, too. Oh, man, she didn't stand out, I guess. I didn't notice her at all. Shima hit another meteora off the top rope into the ring. Omega kicked out of that. Then he tries for another. So Omega caught him in midair. And that was impressive to catch the meteora as he was standing as Shima came off the top. Very impressive. He hit him with a snapdragon and a V-trigger. Omega hit another V-trigger, tried for his first one-winged angel. It was blocked. Shima hit uh, Schwinn on the edge of the apron, which I was glad Excalibur was there to uh, call it. Uh, Dude, Excalibur was so awesome in this match. He's been the highlight, I, I feel. Like, I, I think Shima just needs to have Excalibur call every one of his matches. Um, I never noticed them sp- say anything specific, so this did not have a 20-minute time limit. This had a 30-minute time limit. Yes. Did they na- announce that? I think at the beginning they did. Okay, because I didn't catch it. Um, they go past the 20-minute mark. Shima goes for it goes down to a knee from exhaustion, and he's leveled with a V-trigger and a Tiger Driver 98 for a big near fall. Shima then uh, cradled him up with his legs and got this awesome near fall that was all the difference in Omega kicking out just with a, less than a second to spare. And Omega got up, another V-trigger, finally hit the one-winged angel, and got the win at 22 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh I thought this was this was my match of the night. It was mine too. By the end of it, it was good. It was, you know, um, it was very much like you know your your Kenny Omega big stage singles performance matches with a lot of stiff striking, a number of V triggers, a number of near falls, and it was Kenny playing more of the heel in the match, which I thought was the right call uh, going up here against the veteran Shima. It didn't have the atmosphere, I would say, of his more memorable performances. But you know, let's also remember this is a free show. Um, it's kind of hard to complain about this quality of match. I will say, after all that work on the knee, though, followed by, like, a million Meteoras, I kind of felt found that a little bit un- unrealistic. But nonetheless, Shima did ultimately, like, crumble on his knee in the end. So at least I, I, it played into the finish. Yeah, I kind of like that. Just out of nowhere, kind of goes down, and it's just... It's all built up, but I can understand there were too many meteors in this match. I'll give you that. Um, so yeah, th- this would be the match I, w- I would recommend above everything else on the show. Chris Jericho returned because they had promoted a live microphone for Chris Jericho to say what was on his mind. Wouldn't this have been a nice place to do the check presentation? I guess you need Cody, Cody and the Bucks out there for it, but anyway. I guess so. Yeah, it could have gone in many other places. So he points out the blood of Hangman Page on his hands that... Been like an hour. Well, 
This was like a pink marker that had been drawn. Like this was this did not look like blood. It did not like dried blood from like the. It didn't look half, like dry, it looked pink, hour. unless it was like just the 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 cameras not being properly white balanced or something. Like this did not look like blood. I don't know. Anyway, he then went on to insult Jacksonville by calling it Jerksonville or Jackoffville, and then called it the White Trash Riviera. <laughs> and he took credit for all the success of AEW, including the, teal, the deal with TNT that he mentioned starts in October. And then went over and put over Hangman Page as one of the best prospects he has seen. He said if he wins at All Out, then it's just another victory in his illustrious career. But if he loses, it's the beginning of the end for AEW and his career. He must beat Page and prove that he's a little bitch. And then Paige stormed the ring to attack Jericho, and the officials got involved. Jerry Lynn was out. QT Marshall, uh, the muscle Peter Avalon was out there as well. Joey Janela. Um, How interesting that the guy who starts fights is trying to he's break trying to up. break them up. He's at a he had a real come to Jesus moment this week, um, and so they're out there to separate them. Paige's eye is bl- is busted open and bleeding. Uh, by the end of this, I, I thought this was a fine pull apart to build up the match. And I like the promo putting over page and this match is very important to Jericho. Uh, I thought I liked it. Yeah, it was nice and simple. You know, we've seen like kind of Jericho use this tactic pretty, pretty often. They just decide to condense both the, you know, dressing up as somebody else and unmasking to reveal the attack and the promo on the same same show, which I thought was smart. This was your main event. Um I hope to see more story being told with this particular match in the form of some excellent promos, hopefully, from these two in the month to come. And then it was time for the main event. 60-minute time limit, which I think had a lot of people concerned because at this point, this had been a long show. Yes. Um, The Young Bucks versus Cody and Dustin. And brain stew began to play and out comes Dustin. Yeah, you can't not hear it anymore. It's right? not just us either. It's like everyone notices it it's now. It's this, in between this and the G1 Climax theme song, man, Green Day is probably looking for some royalties from wrestling. Yes. Uh, I made my American Idiot joke last month, so I have to come <laughs> up with a new one. Um, they made it clear that Cody was cleared after the chair shot from two weeks ago. Like they were, the announcers made it abundantly clear that right. the doctors have said it's okay for him to compete. There was none of this. Oh, like the baby face that's going against doctor's orders. Like they were making it very clear that this guy is okay, mm-hmm. uh, which was different from typical wrestling, what they do for the baby face. The young bucks sent Cody and Dustin to the floor and then they hugged each other to mock the brothers. And, uh, after getting the heat on Dustin for a while, he hit a reverse cross body onto both Nick and Matt. And this is maybe Dustin's most impressive spot in the match. He got a lot of height on this reverse cross. Uh, Cody received the tag, fired up on the Bucks. Cody dove over the top and took out Matt on the elevated ramp and then whipped Cody with his be- his weightlifting belt and hit an inverted superplex as the roads start to- started to work over the left arm of Matt and grounded him. And this was much more reminiscent of the Young Bucks with their matches with Rapongi Vice, with Red Dragon, where it was not the back of Matt, but the arm. Mm-hmm. And 
for people like that have not followed a lot of their junior heavyweight stuff in New Japan, like they're tremendous in these styles of matches. And I kind of like the different pace here. I agree with you, but like they were positioned to be the heels in this match. It was backwards. Yeah, it and, was. And they did such a great job establishing themselves at the, at the as the heels at the beginning of the match that for this middle portion of Matt suddenly selling, building up to that hot tag from Nick, to me felt really out of place. Yeah, I I thought that the, the roles were kind of, yeah, assigned just kind like, of backwards. Like they both had to play baby faces. Yeah, that's time. what you had here. Um, Nick finally got the tag. Uh, Matt would return. They'd apply sharpshooters that the roads broke out of and applied figure fours of their own. Cody hit a disaster kick to the bad arm of Matt. I like that spot. And then there was a uh, double team crossroads that Dustin assisted Cody with. It broke down. It each started laying each other with strikes with the Fry Takayama spot. Rick Knox got knocked down inadvertently by Cody. And then Cody dove off the top into a pair of super kicks on the floor. Then in the ring, the Bucks hit double super kicks to both. Dustin made the save. The Bucks then uh, hit double super kicks. Nick hit crossroads onto Cody. Cody kicked out of that. And then with Dustin sent to the floor, they hit the Melter driver onto Cody and won the match at 31 minutes and 26 seconds. And I think this thing went like eight, nine minutes too long. Mm -hmm. The crowd kind of fell out of it towards the end and it wasn't a very dramatic ending like it was not like the crowd was on their feet for the end i think they were exhausted by this point and once you hit 30 they were like man are they going 40 are they going 60 i i think the the most dreaded words an audience can hear uh, 30 yeah. minutes gone by 30, 30 minutes, minutes remaining, remaining. <laughs> like nobody wanted to no one needs an update at the 30 minute mark it's but it's it's really too bad because like look at who we're saying this about you know we're saying this about a a young bucks and cody Rhodes match which i think even just two months ago felt like the hottest things you know the most in-demand product uh in pro wrestling yet now we're talking about a show that ran too long where i think even the young bucks and cody Rhodes overstayed their welcome so you know, it started off this match, you almost got the vibe that this could have been a story as epic as like the Bucks versus Golden Lovers, two friends fighting it out, right. uh, starting off as a friendly rivalry, and then all of a sudden turning into much more, uh, uh, you know, serious in that. But in execution, I think the length certainly hurt it. I would say the confusion of like Matt all of a sudden being a babyface after playing heel for the beginning of the match somewhat kind of, uh, you know, didn't help the match. And let's keep in mind the temperature of the room. You know, this audience sitting in that heat for, like, such a long time now. It was hot. Like, there was a spot in the Pentagon match where he's leaning over. Dude, he is dripping sweat. It was... uh, I can't... The guys who are, like, all in their gear, like Dustin. Yeah. It had to have been a furnace in there. Yeah, but, I mean, it's... As well, it's for the audience. For the audience, too. Yeah, and this is a long show. This is... At this point, we're we're closing in on eleven thirty. So clearly, you know, it's like this audience wanted to see this match. They were there for this match, but yeah. they just never really got into it. I, I think this would have been a really hot twenty-two minutes. Uh, I would have just cut it at that yeah. point. I just th- thought it went too long, and they didn't really peak the crowd for the finish. But that said, I, I don't want to downplay this match. I think this was still my second favorite match on the show. Yeah. I, I still thought it was really strong. I thought the spots were really well designed. It's just unfortunate that like when you see such well-designed spots that aren't reacted to from an audience, it, it, ultimately it, it didn't work. So then what a lot of people will be talking about is the post-match. All four are in the ring and Matt addresses the roads and says, we made fun of you guys in the spirit of competition. And we've wrestled everyone, and we heard this myth about the Rhodes Brothers, and we didn't watch a whole lot of the other product, so we never saw it. 
But tonight, we were in the ring with one of the best tag teams we've ever been in the ring with. And then Kenny Omega's music starts, and we just hear Matt. Was it Kenny's music? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't recognize I think he theme. was, like, leading everyone out. It's right. his new theme. Um, and Matt's just like, no, no, no. And I guess thinking that the time cue, or the cue was wrong, because they clearly had more planned here with this interaction it was in the middle the four of them it was in the middle of like this big promo to end the feud which is probably the most important promo of the show yeah um and then they just say well we must be running short on time so kenny comes out with members of the locker room with shad khan and they've got to do the presentation of the check to the vaac and they're donating one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, 110 of it which is from the live gate for the show and other donations from Kenny Omega, from Alex Jabaley, um, from several members uh, of the roster. And Cody did his Cody spirited rallying cry. You cannot counter program us. They chanted AEW, handed it off to Kenny Omega, who thought they were off the air. So he just kept going. And it seemed that we had a lot more time to play with than we thought of because he both these Cody and Kenny went like 10 minutes Wow. And it ended with a goodbye and good night, boink, some shit. And <laughs> seriously, he said, let's do a different word tonight. <laughs> and then the final words you hear, I believe it was Jim Ross asking, are we on the air? And then we had the credits or the, the trademark come up and we went to black. Uh, th- this was a really bad finish to the show, like just yeah. a total mess. And if... Like sometimes in with these AEW shows, I think some people have been ultra critical because it's kind of been no, I think it's just in vogue to be critical of this company. This they deserve all the criticism in the world. This was a really bad, bad ending to the show, mismanaged, and it and it came off really badly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I was on my way uh, to John's place, so I missed a, a big chunk of that ending, but it sounded. It sounded like they still have a whole lot to learn uh, backstage in order to make sure that 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 machine is running perfectly smooth. You know, like Futterfest was seemed pretty flawless to end. Double or nothing was. Yeah, yeah, know, there were yeah. no issues with time because that was going into it. Everyone was worried because of All In, even yeah. though kind of different production teams. Mm-hmm. But Double or Nothing, um, both shows like they didn't have anything like this. So you know, yeah, exactly. But watching Double or Nothing, watching Futterfest, I never really felt like any of those match- matches dragged too much. This was different. This was a show where I felt like a lot of the matches dragged. Yeah, I felt like right. a lot of a lot of guys were like just. If trying- you were so pressed on time, like it would have been an easy call to to cut off. Like the, yeah. the main event did not have to go thirty one. Not just the main event, all those other matches. Like we had like twenty minute matches in the middle there, I, and I I really just got the sense that, like a lot of people just needed to get their shit in, and that's a problem you have on the indies. It's a problem that you shouldn't be having when you're about to have a weekly television show. So I feel like this was a bit of a wake up call for for AEW, not just on the production end, but like. Also, I felt like there are a lot of um, type of um, like uh, uh, some negatives were that I think a lot of people still aren't necessarily familiar with much of this roster. They haven't really spent the time on their various channels to get people like a uh, uh, Shoko Nakajima over. Um, I, and, and overall, I feel like this was probably the weakest of the three um, AEW shows so far. I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I think that we're we're going to rate this on a different scale because I would say if we got anything approximating this at extreme rules, it would be one of the best WWE shows of the year. And I think people would be raving if you got something close to Kenny yep. Omega and Shima. What if you got this on the, in the G1? Uh, 
then I would say I would say this was this was closer to today's B block show and nowhere near last last week's A block show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Kenny match would would have Kenny and Shima well. was a legitimately great match, but. Um, I don't know, like by the time that main event came, came around, I, I just wasn't really feeling it. And I don't know how much of this audience was either. What would you go out of 20 on this show? Uh, I put a scale up to 10. Oh, okay. What would you give this out of 10? Um, uh, I not, give it a, not a 20 show for you. Interesting. Well, I think 20 is just t- kind of hard to figure out. I, I don't love you it. think? I love it. I, I'd do out of a hundred if we could. Yeah. But I tried that, that once. So there's a limit. But, but. But that makes sense because it's out of hundred. But twenty, we have to like. <laughs> okay, out of ten. It. Out of ten, what do you what do you give this? <laughs> I give it a, I give it a six six point seven. I was gonna go six point five. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're pretty we're pretty close there. All right, uh, we can give out the phone numbers if you do want to call in. The form gives it, John. Do you have a prediction? Um, I think they're gonna be harder on it. I think they're gonna go five point eight, six point three three. Okay, okay, they're right in line with us then. Okay, we will get to the feedback on the forum, but if you do want to call in before we sign off, it is 732-800-4423. We do not have a hard out, so we will have time uh, to get to to everybody. Uh, And Uh, you can Skype in to Post Wrestling. That's right. Search for Post Wrestling on Skype, and uh, you can call in for free. So lines are open right now. Look forward to talking to you uh, about your thoughts on Fight for the Fallen. Yeah, and if you you saw the Evolve show or anything else, uh, we will hear from you about any of that how much of a factor do you feel like fighter fest coming only two weeks away had to do with our enjoyment of this show uh it didn't really affect me like i I said this week i didn't feel i feel if they had run next weekend i think three weeks would have been a better buffer between shows i think two is really quick i think it's two two weeks for any company is really quick to come back that that said we're we're into the g1 season i know but for traditional you know pay-per-views and stuff it just felt like we just had Fighter Fest. I think they could have used another week, but you know, schedules are. It was what the they circumstances, are. right? Yeah, with, I'm with sure. The... You know, it is what it is. To me, it's like this, it, that doesn't make or break a show. This was supposed to be the second show, right? Yes, which they originally announced and before Fighter Fest. Yeah, you're right. So I, that to me didn't affect my enjoyment of it. If it this affect, was it affected my anticipation for it. I really wasn't looking forward to this as much as I was even looking forward to Fighter Fest. Right. So if that has anything to do with it. All right, let's go to the forum, and we will start off with Hagaki. Pre-show still seems to be the weak spot. Great show overall. Maybe one match too long for my liking. The biggest thing I like so far in AEW is the commentary not treating us like fools. Little things like acknowledging that a referee is being loose with calling a match or telling us why the crowd is cheering for something outside the ring slash off TV. Dustin is having a great end cap to his career in AEW. We go to our first caller who's on the line. What did you think of... AEW Fight for the Fallen. Oh, what's going on, guys? It's Hansy. Hey, Hansy, how are you? I'm good. Um, hope you guys are well. Um, I just want to say that yeah, I enjoyed. Well, I enjoyed most of uh, Fight for the Fallen. I uh, I I just thought the last hour or so dragged. Like uh, I I did think at, at for the first bit I thought Shima and uh, Kenny Omega's match was kind of slow, but then it picked up. And I just, I just thought the main event really, really dragged. I thought uh, the Evolve show was a lot better, in my, in my opinion. What were the I highlights mean, they, from? They had... Sorry, Hansy, sorry to interrupt. What, what were the, the, the highlights from Evolve? Well, the um, listen, I've walked into Evolve not as, as familiar with, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, but like after tonight, like a lot of these guys, you know, 
I, I was cool seeing Eddie, uh, Eddie, Eddie Kingston on, uh, on, on, on the network. I liked, I liked his whole shtick. I liked AR Fox and, uh, uh, Leon Ruff. Uh, I liked the the women's the women's match with uh, I think her name is uh, Shotzi. Uh, I, I forget her name completely. Shotzi Blackheart. Was just cool. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It, it sounded that's like she had a great great performance. Yeah, and it, it's going to be a bummer to see Tazawa back on the main roster because like him and Adam Cole, like him and Adam Cole, really really brought the house down. I thought you know, and the Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak, Gulak and Riddle, I expected that, um, you know what I mean? But um, I just thought overall, if I, I was watching both at the same time, so I just thought uh, the Evolve show was a lot better. But I'm not saying anything bad about, you know, AEW, you know what I mean? But just like some, there's just some mishaps in there that I didn't really care for. I I, I didn't think they need, needed the Jericho promo, to tell you the truth. But, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. But uh, thank you for taking my call, guys. And I, I, uh, you, you guys are doing an amazing job. And, uh, I'm glad I'm a Patreon because uh, I'm enjoying the G1 coverage thus far. Okay, we're going to isolate that soundbite. Thank you so much, Hansi. <laughs> Thanks, Hansi. All right. Uh, we will continue to take your calls, uh, but let's head on back to the forum way. Uh, we go to Jalen from Pickering, who says, SCU may be the most ageless group of wrestlers ever. It was a solid show with another good crowd and solid stories being built. I really liked how the Spears six-man was handled, and this show had my favorite Omega AEW match. Women's match was rough, though. Not a far stretch to say that those are the two worst wrestlers on the roster. Also, baby faces shouldn't be ignoring the rules to get into Marco's stunt high spots. I don't know. If, I don't know if I consider Ali, like, but I mean, the the women's roster is very stacked in in AEW. Yeah, yeah. I think that you have, um, kind of it's like you're gonna have your your workhorses, and then you're also gonna have kind of Brandy's involvement too, which is mm-hmm. gonna be much more story oriented. Yeah, and I and I wouldn't be mixing Brandy in with like your Rehos and you know, unless the story called for it. If, if there's a reason for it, yeah. Brandon from Oshawa. The look of this show really reminded me of a spring break episode of Nitro. It did. Yeah. Yes. Um, great venue. And I hope they return and go to other different looking places. I'm sure they're going to go back to this place. Maybe not in the dead of summer. Maybe this is a nice kind of spring or fall venue to go to. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like a, a May date would be wonderful. Love the show. The standouts were Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I'm picking them as the first tag champions or at least making the final. I thought those two really upped their stock a lot on Absolutely. this show. Yeah. Um, they took the momentum from being the elite and you kind of saw it really blown up tonight. I see these two as being huge single stars, but eventually this has to lead to a major heel turn and gimmick change from Luchasaurus, doesn't it? Like this guy is like brand new to this company. I don't know if we have to turn. I think we're a long ways away. I think you have tons and tons of time. It's helping him have a a real identity that stands out. Yes. Um, We go to our next caller. Okay. Hi. Hello. Hi there. Yes, you're on the air. Okay, this is Joe from Racetown. What's going on, guys? Hey, Joe. How are you? Hey, good, man. Um, Listen, man. Uh, it's it's just so it's just such a uh, what am I trying to say? Fresh air. What am I trying to say? Uh, breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. Yes. Breath of fresh air with all these new characters, man. Like Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, those two guys. I mean, I never seen them wrestle before. I want more of them, and I want to see them in singles. I mean, those those two guys with the things they can do individually. I was amazed, and I got a. I'm a little biased. Sammy Guevara. He lives thirty minutes from me. That dude can do so many things. 
you know, with you know, with his body just all on the line, man. That, the things he can do, I mean, like another ricochet. I mean, I'm really impressed with this guy. He's only like 23, 24 years old, man. And uh, I just, you know, I enjoyed the show. I, I fell asleep, to be honest with you, in the main event. I was just tired, but, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the show. At least you had air conditioning. <laughs> For sure. Unlike uh, the, the locals in Jacksonville. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was an enjoyable show. I think it was a little, it, it was, it, it needed maybe just, uh, I think you could have cut some things down, some time as well. Uh, it was just the length, I think, really wore on people. And mm-hmm. it was, and it was a busy night. I'm sure that there were a lot of fans even at home watching that they want to try and watch everything tonight. And, you know, close to four hours. That's that's a long show. Well, I think expectations are so high for AEW right now because people are looking for them to bring real competition to everybody else out there. And they've set a really high standard. So, you know, you think if it was a show that might have made you feel negative about it in any way, that does not necessarily feel like, you know, it was as big of a win as, as the other shows. But um, what was your match of the night, Joe? Uh, I guess I guess the um, the six man. I guess I, I just really enjoyed all of those characters, man. Jimmy Havoc and uh, Darby Allen. Never seen those guys before, and I just uh, I enjoy seeing you know new characters, the uh, guys doing their own individual things, and uh, you know I want to see all those guys individual matches. You know, to be honest with you, but it's just uh, it's just so nice to see good wrestling. I mean, I'm so used to watching WWE the past few years, and you know you go full six hours of, of uh, TV and you don't see one good match. And it just looks like that's what we're going to see with AEW, just solid matches up and down the card. Was this, uh, do you follow like being the elite or any of their YouTube channels or was this your first exposure to, to much of the cast? Yeah. Yeah. I follow um, being the elite. Uh, I actually probably tuned in about a year ago and then leading up to uh, um, the first pay-per-view in Chicago, um, I, I re- went back and rewatched all of them, all of them being the elite. So, you know, I, I just, you know, I re- really like those guys. These guys have great attitudes. They want to, you know, please the fans. And like I said, it's just a breath of fresh air. Did you guys watch the UFC? I haven't seen any of it yet, but I, re- I really want to see the, well, as quick as it was, the Uriah Faber fight. That was amazing. That was just awesome to see a guy 40 years old. I mean, we've been watching this guy for 10, 15 years or whatever to see him do that. And uh, people are talking about the main event, you know, how it was too early. I didn't think so. Okay. Uh, Aspen Ladd, Aspen Ladd, she's got her arms down on the ground. She's on all fours, and she's not even looking at her, her opponent. So, you know, I mean, it's, it was a solid punch, and, you know, it was a flash knockout. And to me, flash knockout, that's it. It's over, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, it only went 16 seconds, but yeah, that's uh, those were kind of the two big things coming out of the card tonight. But uh, thank you very much for the call, Joe, and glad you enjoyed the show. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. All right, thank you. All right, we continue here on the forum, and we got AJ okay. from PA we, uh, who says, I really enjoyed the show. Overall, I like the steps taken tonight, heading towards All Out. Crowd was into everything pretty much, although you could tell the heat played a factor and they got a bit tired. I loved how MJF and Spears handled being on the same team. The undercard really performed well. It was fun seeing the Bucks wrestle a completely different style. Matt Jackson had some great selling, but hated seeing him use the left arm for the spear. They need to work on some timing issues, and there's some definite work to be done with the commentary. I think Marvez is better suited as a ringside correspondent who does post-match interviews or something. He just throws off JR, and you could tell both he and Excalibur were getting frustrated. 
We go next to Chris. This show felt weak when comparing it to the G1, but this show did make me a fan of the Luchasaurus, so I'll give it that. I had a real problem with guys working over body parts and then not selling it later. Kenny was working on Shima's knee the whole match, and the guy landed on both of his knees no less than five times and seemed perfectly fine. Lastly, I've never hated the Fight Forever champ more than when it was used tonight. It's 85 degrees, folks. JR and Excalibur are very hot. Let's let these guys get a drink of water and go home. It's really hot here, too. I know, dude. Isn't I'm, it? I'm really hot. Is it? I guess you... Um... <laughs> I guess the, the, uh, there's no AC on. Uh, I don't know if it's on, to be honest. <laughs> okay. It's appropriate that we're, we're doing this review. Indeed. We're suffering like those at Daly's Place did. All right, finally, we got a Nikita from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, who says, The six-man match made me notice how great Sammy Guevara is, and his diving sequence was spectacular. The three-way tag match, Lucha Brothers, and Kenny versus Shima were probably the standards for me, but the rest of the show felt pretty lukewarm. As somebody who just got into wrestling last year... I don't like JR's commentary. It feels dated. Excalibur is perfect for AEW. All right. That's all the feedback. So thank you, everybody, uh, for sending it in. Um, You know, as you look at this, they've got one more show on the schedule before the television launch. Is this Uh something where, you know, these shows, like, they're unofficial, like, exhibitions for them to kind of work out all of these issues. How do you feel about this company going onto weekly television in uh, three months' time. In many ways, I think having the structure of TV will really help them like be a lot more regimented uh, with regards to uh, making sure all these matches have kind of hard outs and people don't really go overboard with putting a lot of uh, things into into their matches. So I think the the, the issue will be handled before they go onto TV. Um, I, my bigger question is, you know, what's it going to look like? How are they going to tell stories between people? Um, if I think from what we've seen so far, it, it's clear that they have a, a pretty great formula with the, the Nightmare Family uh, Road 2 episodes. That style of storytelling with those types of promos seem to really um, uh, do well with its audience. So I'd like to see a lot more of that. But we have a lot of questions. You know, how's BTE and, and that tone of humor going to fit into the mix? Um our guy's going to get overexposed. Like, they have the benefit now that it's... Like, these shows feel special because they're not doing shows every week. And that's... Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of it. That, to, you know, to do this television deal and hopefully at the end of all of this, it's, there's a great television contract for them. But that's the yeah. nature of the beast. Inevitably, that luster is going to wear off, you yeah. know, when you do weekly TV. And we'll start looking at it a lot more like Raw. But I think this was, like, a good experience to, to show that, like... I don't think this company is perfect. I think they're far from 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 perfect. And I think, um, you know, in the face of criticism, how will this company react? Will they change things for the future um, or or not? Before we get out of here, uh, just a few uh, news items. Of course, we do have the Extreme Rules show coming up on Sunday night. Uh, there are 10 matches currently announced. Uh, believe that they will be adding... Another match uh, with Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler. That's expected to be added to the show, uh, which would bring it to 11. And also, a news item from today was uh, Jeff Hardy being arrested for public intoxication and impairment. Uh, This was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He was arrested by the Myrtle Beach Police Department, and he was let out on bond, which was under $200. And uh, Mike Johnson had had a follow-up here. I believe uh, he... it's. It essentially sounds like he'll pay this fine, and as long as he doesn't contest it, uh, won't have to appear in court or anything. I mean, this on its own, I, I don't think it's a huge deal, but the fact it's Jeff Hardy, that's the concerning part, that 
This yeah. is a guy that that did have uh, the arrest last March, and you know it's certainly not a good thing whenever you're arrested, even if on its own this is a pretty minor deal. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's Jeff Hardy, I think that's where people are concerned. Last time, I mean, we really saw no ramifications, with and it. there was so. WWE put out the statement today. Jeff Hardy is responsible for his personal actions, mm-hmm. and that's WWE's kind of established this. Yeah. It's like when their performers get arrested for stuff like this, it's they're kind of hands off. It's like that's that's their issue. I would like to believe that they're checking in with Jeff, making sure that this isn't maybe a sign of you know a bigger issue. And if it's not, maybe hopefully hopefully it's not. You know? All right. So, Way and I are going to be back on Sunday night following Extreme Rules. We're also going to be back Sunday afternoon. That's right. We're going to be back before Extreme Rules because the there's G1 a G1 start, show. The G1 starts in an hour. In an hour. Yeah. Are you staying over? I'm going to turn on the AC. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Watch the UFC. We'll watch them evolve. There's. And then we'll stick around for Ron. You Monday. realize that this is going to become the norm on weekends. Yes. Like, as for the we end of the fall, like, this is going to become normal. On weekends, you're right, yeah, because of more double the pay per view. Yeah, it's gonna be a crazy, crazy life. Uh, but that is it for us. So yes, cafe members will be back on Sunday afternoon and then Sunday night following Extreme Rules. By the time you're listening to this, you can go over to the Up Next feed, download the Evolve Post Show with Braden and Davey, and I believe we'll be throwing that onto the main feed sometime on Sunday as well. So yeah. people will have multiple opportunities to listen to Braden and Davey's review. And then we will have what? What else am I not uh, thinking of? Uh, we've got uh, uh, our G one coverage, like you mentioned, postwrestlingcafe.com, which is our Patreon. If you enjoy a lot of our free content, consider signing up with our Patreon. Six dollars a month gets you a bunch of bonus content, including all of our G one reviews. And also for patrons this month, we are doing a twenty percent off sale at store.postwrestling.com. So twenty percent off for all patrons, as well. Five dollars off if you want to get a ticket to our live event. Post wrestling in Toronto during SummerSlam weekend. Correct. And cruel summer. It's yes. a cruel, cruel summer, John. I feel it right now in this oh, heat. It's a. It, it was Sumo Hall was what they replicated in the <laughs> middle of August. Uh, and WH Park reviews every G one climax final throughout its entire history. He's. Um, I would say he's what at the halfway mark right now. He's at close to it. He's at he's at two thousand and four. Fourteen dropping on Sunday. So yeah, fourteen. Yeah, he's got uh, fourteen to go. So he's pretty much at the halfway mark. So um, uh, this particular episode features. If you give me one second, this uh, is a Joey Bay. Joey Bay, yes, Joey Bay talking about Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Hiroshi Tenzan, a very young Hiroshi Tanahashi. We're, we're into the Tanahashi, the the beginnings of yeah. what would be you know one of the most important figures of. The last 15 years. It's a really wonderful way to get caught up in New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, history. And on, on all of these uh, podcast uh, posts, WH has included the link to watch the match itself on New Japan World. So if you're looking for more G1 coverage, if you're looking for more wrestling to watch, or if you just simply want to hear people talk about wrestling that are very educated about the subject, I recommend Cruel. My Summer. ultimate compliment. I always talk about when I in my free time. Wrestling is not really at the top of my list to watch more of, but on, on Friday, I ended up being at home, and I watched like five G1 finals just wow. to uh, keep up with the uh, the cruel summer. So that's my ultimate compliment. And th- there have been some great shows. I'm up, to, uh, I'm up to I'm up to 1998 with Dylan Fox. That's the, the show I'm up to now. And th- these shows are fantastic. So yeah. I definitely recommend uh, learning as much about Wei Ting as possible. Uh, in the Yuji Nagata, Keiji Muto final, 
Are you aware of the influence of the finger poke of doom? Do you know how much of a battle arts fan Wei was? I didn't even know this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so much to learn about Wei Ting on that episode. And so much to learn about uh, John Pollock as well. Episode one, and I believe probably another episode to come. Yes, yes. Where I was, uh, I was definitely insulted that I was considered not uh, an NSYNC uh, knockoff, <laughs> but rather a crazy town knockoff. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway. Dude, you had the, the chain. You had the 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 uh, t- uh, spiked hair and everything, dude. Well, it's time for me to uh, <laughs> make like a butterfly, and uh, that is it. Oh my god! Okay, goodbye, everyone. We'll be back in five minutes, probably, with another show. Are we on the air? <laughs>